0: hello everyone and welcome back to the layover podcast if you're not subscribed already go to Layover.com. you will not miss any updates regarding the podcast book recommendations from yours truly as well as some of my favorite quotes and excerpts of all time so if you haven't already go to layover.com And of course, if you like the podcast, give us a thumbs up, a comment, a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Every single one helps immensely. Without further ado, in episode 28, I share a story about the surprise ending to a very tumultuous relationship in my life. It was very shocking and surprising given the history of our relationship together. And I think that's. What's beautiful about endings sometimes is that they don't always explode as the poem by Derek Walcott so beautifully puts it, um, which is what this story is titled after, Endings, and I also read his poem titled Endings at the beginning and at the end of this episode. I woke up, I had a dream about this, I wrote it at 3am, and I really, really hope you all enjoy this story. Episode 28, Endings. Things don't explode. They fail. They fade. As sunlight fades from the flesh, as the foam drains quick in the sand, even love's lightning flash has no thunderous end. That was impossible for you and me, though. Our bond was sustained by stormy weather. How could the lightning flash of our love have no crashing conclusion? For years, the whirling, uncontrollable winds of lust swept us over the sun, where we'd orbit for weeks, tender, tangled, weightless, warmed by the fleeting flame of youthful passion. Then, as sure as the sun sets, the sheer gravity of our incompatibility would cast our bones back to soil. Rain would swell my sky, but you, you always stayed dry, confident in your control of when my world turned black. A year before our ending, I was shoving a broken spiral notebook into a leather tote bag, while Dre, my partner for a class project, asked what I had planned for the evening. He almost tapped a hole through his homework, flickering his dark blue pen into a blur. Uh, nothing crazy, probably just grabbing dinner with my boyfriend, I replied. Somewhat sad to see the faint glimmer of hope leave his eyes. But it was better that way. Why lead him on? Things were actually good between us. You and I, that is. And after three years of breaking up what seemed like every other day, we were back together, on the internet and in real life. For going on almost five weeks. You were in and out of my apartment at the time. You even had a key. Progress for two people who never trusted each other enough to commit to sharing a space, signing a lease, or making small metal molds to possibly unlock the other party's secrets. We both knew better than to place any bets on permanence. There was a silent understanding that the most consistent thing about our relationship was that it never lasted. I unlocked my building's door, made it up the stairs, and fumbled through my tote before turning the squeaky copper knob to my two-bedroom apartment. You were usually already waiting inside on Thursdays, so I called your name once, twice, and three times before sticking my head in both rooms to see if you were sleeping. Nothing. I threw my bags on the couch, then checked every pocket, searching for my phone, tapping jeans, then jacket, then jeans again. Maybe I missed your calls or texts on the car ride home. I took off my coat and shook the center, my phone tumbling onto the matted brown carpet. The screen lit up. I scrambled to pick it up. No texts. No missed calls. Nothing. My chest tightened. Was it happening again? No, 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 no. I reassured myself. Before dialing your number, I pushed open the bathroom door and searched for a single sign that I might be overreacting. My eyes swept the vanity from left to right for little symbols of life. Okay, my toothbrush, toothpaste, comb, makeup, and bottles of hair stuff scattered across the center. But not the toothbrush you borrowed last night. The one that was drying on that sloppy stack of paper towels. No clippers you sometimes used on weekends. No hairbrush. Nothing. Your side was bare, lifeless. Your presence and promises, once again, only a figment of my imagination. I raced to the living room and grabbed my phone, calling you once, twice, and three times with no answer. On the last ring right before your lousy voicemail, I let out a shrill, sour laugh. I should have been used to this by now, I thought. I was stupid for even entertaining this. I set the phone down and started to massage my temples, trying to tame the rage racing towards the tip of my tongue. I called you again and you answered. I asked you what was going on and why you weren't here. You said you had something to do. I took a deep breath, then asked why having something to do meant taking all of your things with you. You said you heard something about me. And when we got back together this time, we'd promise not to keep secrets anymore. I asked you what the hell you were talking about. You hissed the name of a guy I'd kissed when we weren't together claiming I did more. I told you that wasn't true. You called me a liar and easy, amongst other things, and I called you a stupid motherfucker, amongst many things. A swift lightning flash before my world went black. Six months before our ending, I was walking to a parking garage from a friend's place. She lived across the street from little boutiques and shops and pubs. The streets were lined with college kids and locals, all in transit to the next drinking spot. Someone wearing a skin-tight, chrism-colored dress glanced over her shoulder when I passed. She called my name once, twice, and three times before I turned around. It took me ten whole seconds to realize that she was one of your best friend's ex-girlfriends, Kate. Kate pulled me into a hug and asked me how I was. I said I was good, and I meant it. I asked how she was. She said she was well, and judging by her smile, she half meant it. She asked where I was going, I told her home. She told me that was good. I tilted my head and asked her why. She told me that she'd just left a party and she said you were there. Tightly wrapped in the limbs of that one girl you always went back to, whether we were officially together or not. You were drunk, she said. Really drunk. Shamelessly tonguing down that one girl in front of everyone we knew. I walked back to the car and braced myself for the internal storm that typically followed news about you. I waited for the dark clouds of jealousy to rise, I waited for the ground to shake, I waited for the salty smell of tears, I waited for the rumble of thunder to form in my throat. But for some reason, on that night, in an empty parking garage downtown, lightning never came. Our actual ending happened at midnight. In the thick of transition, summer slowly succumbing to fall. I hadn't been responding to your text messages or calls or emails for months. I had no desire to, anymore. We'd fallen out of the sky one too many times. My bones were stretching, breaking, and building density with more and more days away from you. The familiar white noise of pain and panic from all those years of turbulent weather was muffled to a whisper. We ran into each other at the grocery store of all places. Not the usual mutual friends party or bar or club. This was unplanned, unexpected. I was carrying a basket filled with fruit and popcorn and you had a small bottle of liquor and some snacks in your hands. You turned to the corner of my aisle and gave me the same look that always won me back. The one that made me feel like I was the only girl in the world. A look of shock, desperation, and desire. I could tell you missed me, or at least the idea of me. You looked down at your shoes, gathered your thoughts, and asked me how I was. I said I was great. And I meant it. I asked you how you were. You said you were okay. And I can tell by your voice and the split-second pause that you were lying. We talked and walked all the way to checkout. And you insisted on walking me to my car. It was late, you said. And I let you. You ended up in my passenger seat, windows cracked, fully reclined. We talked for hours as we typically did after long hiatuses from each other. You walked me through all the recent issues with your family, petty drama with friends. During a long pause after deep, uninterrupted laughter, you looked at me too long. I asked you what you were staring at and you told me I seemed different. I told you I didn't know what you meant. But I did. Maybe you noticed there was no longing in my eyes. Not for you. There was no more hunger. No more desire to call what was never mine, mine, anymore. You sat up and suggested we go to the park down the street, and I agreed. My place was on the way, so I stopped in and quickly grabbed a thick blanket and bottle of wine. We ran up a steep, dewy hill covered in darkness, unfolded the sheet, and held each other. The stars seemed endless that night. Miles and miles of sugar spilled on Slate. You uncorked the wine, took a swig, turned to me, and asked for a kiss. We were never one to waste time. I used to love how assertive you were. When you wanted me, you wanted me. I never questioned that. But when you didn't, you didn't. Why? A question I thought would kill me. I pried the bottle from your grip, took three gulps, and leaned in, trying to feel what I'd felt the first time our lips touched. Your warm hand moved to my cheek as our bodies pressed closer. I tried my hardest to feel what I once felt. But the rush of blood came from the wine, not from your touch. From your touch, there was nothing. All the sweetness had faded. All I could taste were memories' tannins. The day after our ending, there was no text from you, no call. Not the usual, we should do this again, or it was good to see you, or what are you doing later? There was nothing. Not even for me. No desire for control, no curiosity, no hope. No lightning. Though, of course, weeks later we ran into each other, and months later you'd call and sometimes I'd answer, and years later I wouldn't. To me, that brief summer night under the stars will forever be our ending. Things don't explode, they fail, they fade. As sunlight fades from flesh, As the foam drains quick in the sand, even love's lightning flash has no thunderous end. It dies with the sound of flowers fading like the flesh. From sweating pumice stone, everything shapes this, till we are left with the silence that surrounds Beethoven's head. Thank you all so much for listening to the Layover Podcast and for bearing through story number 28. From myself, I'm your host, Neika Julia. I'm not sure if I say that enough. And you can find me on Instagram at N-N-E-K-A-J. And obviously here at The Layover. That's two E's and Passing Through Pod. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and all the previous episodes, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Go to the thelayover.com. Get our newsletter. And we'll be introducing, I know I said this last week, but... February's theme will be announced and we'll be accepting submissions within the next week. I'm very excited about this topic. I think we are going to get a host of beautiful stories. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you all so much. See you next week.